Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 4, A Trolodron Primer. Well, hello, welcome again. This is Chad Corey, and this is Legends and Lore. If you're familiar with how the podcast has been done in the past, you'll notice this is probably a little bit different way we're starting out, and that's because I'm trying something new with this particular episode, and probably the next foreseeable handful of them, too, to see how it goes. I've found that in the past, trying to write a script all the time and, and go with the script and edit it and everything else and record while doing everything else I got going on can be kind of challenging. I initially started doing a, a one-month uh, podcast episode thinking that it could be doable in the midst of everything else I got going on, and I've realized that just by doing it in the last few months here that it's a lot more going on than I realize, especially with now recent events and things taking place and it just seems a little bit easier that I wanted to explain things more, I guess you can say, in a conversational style and make it more approachable for people who might not be familiar with podcasts or even just Trollodron in general or myself in general. So it's kind of another way to be more engaged, I guess, with the topic with you and allow you to be more engaged with the topic with me. And it allows me to have more freedom and flexibility to share more of what's just on the top of my head or inside me rather than trying to figure out how to best say it and then trying to, you know, edit the script and then so on and so forth. And you get the idea. I think the delivery will be a little bit better and more enjoyable, at least for me and hopefully for you. But again, I do encourage you to, to send comments to me at lore, that's L-O-R-E, at chadcorey.com. Let me know if you think this is a, a better format for you, if there are some things you'd like to see incorporated besides that. Or if you thought the better version was the one previously done with the scripted version and such. And that'll be giving me some more information and feedback I can use to make a more informed decision how to best move forward. So that being said, we've already covered some topics I think are kind of fun, at least when I did them. Hopefully you thought so too. We're looking at more of the nebulous kind of side of Trollodron and getting you an introduction into the macro approach to introducing you to the world settings and kind of explaining the basic building blocks of the universe with the cosmic elements and how they kind of incorporated in the episode after that with forming the cosmic planes and the reality that we have now of the the cosmos and then we last episode talked about the basic overview of the history and introduced you into how the, the thumbnail historical vein, so to speak, is carried through everything from the beginning of time now to the present age, at least as far as I'm going to share it on this particular podcast. And now what we're going to do is kind of introduce you to the actual planet of Trollodron itself, and then give you a, what I call a Trollodron primer, a quick run-through of the various lands, at least on the northern hemisphere, and help you get kind of a general perspective of where they are and what they're about. So Maybe you've read about them in the books already. Maybe you've heard about them and things in the past. But this will be something that you can get a better understanding of, like I said, kind of where they're located and kind of what they're about and, and get an overall presentation from that standpoint. And when, once we have that figured out and that kind of laid out, then I would like to start transitioning to actually telling some more fun 
uh, legendy, lorey kind of things, and using the background we've already established to go into more interpersonal stories and things of that, and, and introducing different elements and aspects of the world setting finally after this point. But I, I felt it was important to kind of give you a background of, again, from the big picture to the more smaller picture here as we're moving into the more, I, I think, sometimes more fun fun stuff with the legends and the, and the myths and the legends and things like that. So that's kind of what we're doing, what we've been doing. Hopefully that made sense to you. If it does it now, it hopefully it does now. And I would encourage you as well, if you would like to follow along, or if you just had a like a refresher course or just like to kind of stay in tune with the world setting in general, you can go to my website, chadcorey.com, go to the Trollerton page, and there should be a couple different sections there you can check out, uh, check out, excuse me, uh, talking about the history, the various creatures, the various uh, backgrounds, and, and just other elements of the world that you can kind of look at and check out at your leisure. So let's transition into our main focus today, which is the Trolodrone Primer. And astute listeners will probably understand that there are two hemispheres to the planet with people living on both of them. And thus far, we have not really gotten into the southern hemisphere, either when I've written or produced thus far stories and such. And I'm not going to get into a great deal of information about the Southern Hemisphere in this particular episode. I will say, though, that it obviously it exists and there are lands and people groups down there. And they have a very great and rich history and a lot of stuff going on. And in some ways they are or were interconnected with the Northern Hemisphere. And we'll probably get to that in a future uh, installment on this podcast. But I did want to make you know at least you make you aware of it at least that there are two different hemispheres and there are kind of I don't want to say two separate trolodrons, but there are certainly things going on in the southern hemisphere that no one in the northern hemisphere knows about and and vice versa. But for our purposes today, we're going to be focusing strictly on the northern hemisphere and the lands and peoples that make that up. So let's talk about the northern hemisphere, shall we? It is divided into a couple different categories or segments, I guess I could say. The first is the Midlands, the second the Northlands, then that's followed by the Southern Lands, then we have the Western Lands, and lastly, the Scattered Lands. I'm sure some of you might be familiar or will be familiar if you haven't read the books or things yet by some of those names, but in general, the Midlands are kind of more or less the major area where everyone kind of interacts and it's kind of a convergence point where the you know the west and the south and the north all kind of meet up and get blended together in that various region there and there's a lot of trade that goes back and forth there's a lot of uh, traffic that goes around there it's kind of a, a central hub so to speak for a lot of people to meet and interact and things of that nature and that's kind of why a lot of the things that have been going on in the uh, world setting thus far have been focused more on that part of the world. And in the Midlands, you're going to find the following uh, lands. You're going to find Arid Land, Colony, Talithiel, and Dralodon. And Arid Land is a land, actually it's two different land masses that are kind of, I, I call it spooning each other in a way, not not directly, but there's a, a enough closeness there to give you the impression they kind of like each other a little bit but there's still enough room for a, a section of water in there called the arid sea and these two uh, land masses are basically ringed with mountains and they have kept out people for hundreds and thousands of years from getting inside 
allowing the Savani elves that live there the opportunity to basically live in peace and, and unmolested for the most part for most of their history up until the modern time when some Nordicans started to make some inroads. And then we have Colony, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, which is the home of the Elemic Elves. These are the imperialistic elves that once had a great empire spanning a large swath of territory, and they have now begun to maybe maybe have aspirations of doing something similar to that again, although officially they are a, are a republic at this point in time. And they have, uh, you might not see it on the map, but they have a, a handful of other smaller islands that are kind of grouped around the, the larger landmass of Colony. And these are where sometimes there can be commerce, and sometimes one of them is a, a mine for marble, one of them is more like a multiracial city point to get access to, but each of them kind of has a separate um, function or purpose in general around them. And then, of course, we have Talithiel, which is a very popular land, so shall we say. It has a the largest population of humans on it, uh, where they came from, the Talborians. They, they, that's kind of their homeland, so to speak, and they've gone out from there to kind of colonize and, and populate vast uh, areas again as well over the northern hemisphere and making them probably the more predominant, if not the predominant, uh, type of human on the northern hemisphere. This is where their homeland is for the most part, at least where they got their start. And you have various kingdoms there, you have various independent cities there, and it's again very, because of the location of where it is in the Midlands, and because of the favorable climate as far as politically, socially, economically, and everything else, it tends to lend itself very well to be more kind of a racial melting pot, and it's lent its, lend it, uh, the title of the island of the masses, kind of it's for anything and everything is, is possible. And then last but not least, we have Draladon, which we haven't really, I haven't really covered it in any modern stories I've done for it yet. But Draladon is the uh, kind of a desert region for the most part. There's a, there's a kind of a, a little line on the left-hand side of it that is basically the green and livable portions of the land. And then from there on out, it's mostly just desert, and there's some mountains and some hills and things, but it's a mostly kind of a not always enjoyable uh, part of terrain in which to live or, or try and exist in. But people do. You got some dwarves in there, you got some Selators, you got some Ryu, and some other people. It's mostly kind of a leftover remnant of the Elemic Empire. And you can see that that's the case because they have forts and they have civilization all on that strip of habitable land. That's primarily where the elves hang out. There is some interaction and, and trade and stuff between them with the various Taborian, Salvatores, Dwarves, and other things, but it's primarily an Elemic territory. And if we were to go up a little bit further north, we would hit the Northlands, which I'm sure many people have some familiarity with, again, if you follow the stories. And this is more of the colder terrain, shall we say. It's not necessarily Arctic by any stretch of the imagination, although it gets pretty close to some, some of the lands, but it is more what you would expect from a you know typical colder climate region that we know on Earth here. And there are four lands that exist there. We have Phrygia, Valkoria, Baltan, and then Troll Island. Troll Island, of course, is the smallest of all of them. And it's kind of basically, obviously, as the name implies, on the domain of trolls. And not many people, if any, look to go seek it out or hang out there for any reason. 
you have Phrygia, which is kind of the more most northern part of the Northern Islands. Nordicans still hang out there, but so do giants and some other uh, monsters, races, and dragons and things, and Lenorms as well. But the further north you go on Phrygia, the more kind of tundra-y or frozen-like you get, because it just gets you're getting closer and closer to the the more northern extremes of the world, and where things get kind of more frigid, shall we say? That's the name Phrygia. With Velcoria, of course, I think you've explored some of that already, or at least we hinted at some of it. It's it's more or less temperate for the most part. It does get a little colder if you go a little bit more northern in the direction there, but it's not necessarily frigid, frozen tundra, shall we say. It's just more of plains and grassy areas and things like that. But there are forests there and mountains and things as well. Obviously, the major race here, again, as it, as in all of the Northlands, would be the Nordicans and then the Jotun. Those are the uh, the giants that live in that general vicinity of the world. Now, Baltan is kind of a unique place. It is more wild, shall we say, with the Nordicans that live there. A little bit, little bit more savage, but there's also uh, more civilized lands there too. And I don't want to give too much away because I'm thinking of probably showcasing some of that in the not too distant future. But just know that it's, again, kind of the, a combination of people living there would be Nordicans and, and Jotun, but it's it's more of a... If, if Valkoria was more of the civilized form of what the Nordicans can be and achieve and what you know what the Knights of Panthora and stuff were doing there, then Baltan would be more the, the savage precursor of what they encountered before they started having more of a civilizing effect on the region. Not to say that it's totally barbaric and anything, but it's a little bit more wild and... and uh, more natural, shall we say, in its natural habitat than it was uh, in Belcoria, with the, as far as culture and things go. And of course, not many people venture up to the Northland, so it's kind of, a, I don't want to say a secluded area, but it's not that well-frequented. It's certainly not something that people, you know, it's on their bucket list. I want to go to the Northlands. There are, there's some trade that goes on, but a lot of it is, is specific to certain areas and regions and times of the year, based on what you're trying to trade and explore. Again, most people kind of stay within the more warmer or uh, friendlier parts of the, the world setting. Then if you go all the way south, all the way to the bottom of the northern hemisphere, you come across the southern lands. And these are known primarily for their spice and precious mineral trade. And there's it's also some more um, some slave stuff that goes on or used to in the past. But it's more of a tropical climate, and that this is where you're going to find most of the, not all, but many of the the Selators that live down in this region. Some parts of it might get some Talborians in it from the, the earlier years that kind of colonized there and kind of just stayed there, basically. But in general, it's pre predominantly an area heavily uh, influenced with uh, Selatoric culture and peoples and things like that. You also have a lot of the monstrous races that hang out there. And, of course, you have your handful of dwarves and your handful of uh, dragons and lenorms and things like that, that that call the land home. You also find some unique races you're not going to find necessarily anywhere else, like the Minotaurs and the Minotaurs and uh, Ryu and some other things that, uh, again, I'm not going to get into necessarily and ruin the surprise here for you, but the, needless to say, there is kind of a nice history there, and this is kind of where the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere have kind of blended over because in the past there has been some uh, transportation that has gone on between these areas 
that have allowed different people groups to move from north to south and south to north. And again, hopefully we'll get into that in the future. I think it's, it was, it's kind of a fun story, but we're just kind of giving the overview today for this particular episode. There are three major land masses, shall we say, in that region. That's Beldethal, which is the largest, and then that's followed by Antora, and then we have Manessa. And again, I didn't mention there are some LLMLs here too because it's part of where the imperial wars were fought and so there's you know, res- residue elements of the former Elven Empire as well. People kind of grew up after that and stayed there and survived. It's also known to be kind of a, I don't want to say terrible place, but there are elements of corruption. There are elements of pirates and lawless bands and things and, and more rowdiness, shall we say than you would expect in the Midlands. Not to say the Midlands is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but there's just a more Wild West type of feel to this part of the, the world that you don't get necessarily in other parts of it. And then if we turn our sights way to the west, there's another pocket of lands that inhabit there. Obviously, they're called the Western Lands, and they're far across the Yon Ocean, And they're kind of shrouded in mystery and mysticism by a lot of people because they don't, number one, they're so far away, travel there is is kind of long and and not everyone does it. And when people do get there, it's such a different culture in some ways that there's a lot of stuff ascribed to them that necessarily isn't isn't true. I mean, there's some stuff that's true, but there's other stuff that, you know, it gets exaggerated and embellished over the years and over the tellings. And so you have kind of a strange mixture of you know, this weird mysticism and mystery that people think exists there that isn't necessarily true, but some elements of it that have some kernels in truth. And the biggest part of it, of course, is the land of Nepal. That's probably the largest landmass that has survived the great shaking on the northern hemisphere. And obviously it's dominated by the Nepalese, who we haven't really, we got a little bit of an introduction to, I think, in previous stories, but we haven't really been to them yet in the entirety. So I'm not going to get into them yet because it's kind of a, they have a fun, interesting story in and of themselves. But with them, you also have a splattering of monstrous races, Lenorms, dragons, and a few other uh, races we're not going to touch on right now, but it's primarily Nepoese-centric, for lack of a better word simply because not a lot of people get over there all the time, and they don't really necessarily have a strong desire to go off and and colonize other parts of the planet, at least not yet. And so that's kind of the nutshell of Nepal. They are the fourth group of humans that inhabit the planet, and again, predominantly on the western lands, obviously. You do have a small pockets of, you know, brave Telborians that might be there, but they're, they're they're kind of in the, the cities, the major port cities, as are the, the, the little Elemic Elves and the, the Petrius Elves, things of that nature that live in that region that kind of interact and, and do trade and stuff in that general vicinity. Um, underneath Nepal, or kind of, I guess, I guess underneath Nepal, I guess you can say, is the land of Rexatoyas, and that is the second largest land in the Western lands. And that's the home of the Petrius Elves. We did some exploring of that in the initial uh, trilogy, the Wizard King trilogy, a little bit, but that primarily, as you could probably understand, is the home of the Patriots Elves. It's probably primarily Elven by nature. There are some interactions, of course, with Nepoese and the halflings and gnomes and things that live also in the Western lands. So that's kind of what what they're about is uh, Rexatoyas. Of course, there's some monstrous races and, and dragons and Lenorms and things and giants and things like that. But that's primarily who live there. I think there are a few dwarves at that particular spot 
And then we get into the next section, kind of like just down to the left, or excuse me, down to the right of Rexatoyas, is Brianna. And Brianna is the home of the gnomes. And their homeland actually encompasses a few other lands besides that. There's some smaller lands or islands, I guess you can say, that are part of uh, Brianna or under their control, which would be Black Isle, Cardina, and Irondale. And those are all part of, I don't want to say an empire or republic, just kind of a commonwealth, I guess, for lack of a better word. They're kind of quasi-independent, but yet they're all still, still kind of under the, the, the rule of uh, Brianna. And Brianna is the, the, actually the joint home, not just of gnomes, but also of halflings. And that's kind of where they came from. And, of course, the halflings have, for the most part, kind of dispersed from that point of the world and gone over other parts and other nations, kind of trying to find a new, new homeland, as it were. The gnomes have predominantly stayed there and kind of set up shop, although there are still you know, halflings there and a few dwarves as well that kind of call the place home. And finally, we have what are called the scattered lands. And these aren't really necessarily, it's kind of a catch-all, I guess you can say, for an organizational term. It's really just the encompassing of the, the islands that incorporate in two different regions of the planet of the Northern Hemisphere here, the Pearl Islands, where there's a bunch of giants and other monstrous races who live there. And those are kind of, if you continue going on beyond the Western lands and going further south from there, you'll encounter a, a string of islet string, but just kind of a population of islands, very numerous islands called the Pearl Islands. They're named that because the idea was that, you know, it's like a strand of pearls that broke and scattered across the, the waters. There's just so many of them. And again, that's just home to giants and other monstrous races. And then the kind of a quadrant, I guess, for lack of a better word, a section of islands that are more kind of off... The, from the Midlands, if you continue going west from the Midlands and go into more of the open waters of the Yon Ocean, you'll get into a collection of like six different islands, which are called the Wizard King Islands. And there's a history there I'm not going to get into yet because I think it's kind of fun for a different episode. And maybe I'll do a story on it as well. So I don't want to spoil that preemptively here. But there, this is where some Wizard Kings kind of hung out in the beginning of the Wizard King ages and kind of just built their towers. Not everyone, obviously, but a good number enough of them that kind of thought it would be kind of fun to seclude themselves and go there and do enough that this became kind of known for the Wizard Kings as they developed and, and so on and so forth. So there's some history there. There's some background there that's kind of fun to get into as well. But that's, again, no one really lives there as far as anyone knows. It's kind of maybe some people think it's haunted. Some people think it's, you know, cursed, whatever. So not many, if any, go there. Or if they have, they haven't talked about it. And no one really lives there. So that's kind of the, the, the whole collection of the scattered lands, and that ends the basic primer of the Trelodrone. And that ends our basic primer, at least as far as the Northern Hemisphere is concerned. Next time we get together, I'll take some time and finish the final part of our introduction to the world, for lack of a better term. And that will be talking a little bit more about the races and giving you an idea of how things are grouped and combined and how everything fits together in the overall package and once that's done then we can figure out like i said moving forward into getting to more of the legendary lore kind of stuff of the world settings i'm looking forward to that but in the meantime thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode this podcast is copyright chad Corey. all rights reserved